You're listening to Savage Wonder, a podcast about warriors and artists, long-form one-on-one conversations with veterans in the arts. The show is produced by the Veterans Repertory Theater, which is a creative hub for talented veterans and world-class performers to create compelling live theater and events. My guest today, my guest today was Jesus Daniel Hernandez. Uh, What a fun conversation we had. I I don't think fun's the right word. What's the right word? Uh, Inspirational, inspirational conversation we had. I don't know. I found myself getting worked up a lot during this conversation. And I think it's because Jesus's story is one that I think anyone that has ever really had a passion, uh, especially in the arts, I think, but, but any passion really will find a lot to respond to, uh, the way that he, that his life progressed from being a Mexican immigrant to the United States at 14 to joining the army, going to Iraq, and then having the most, (laughs) I don't know what the right word is, uh, cinematic, um, kind of, uh, almost fictionally amazing introduction into uh, becoming a professional classical singer that you can imagine. I mean, it's like, it's literally out of a movie, uh, the way that that unfolded and to hear um, the way that his life started to align as he um, fell into his artistic um, talents and leaned into them. It's just incredible. Uh, So I found a lot that kind of got me uh, worked up periodically Fortunately, it didn't matter because I didn't really have a lot to say. I mean, Jesus can just talk, and uh, the story is compelling and doesn't need a lot of prompting from me. So I won't give too many spoilers uh, here, but this was a real blast to be able to talk to him. You guys are going to enjoy the hell out of it. Um, I'm Christopher Paul Meyer. I'm the artistic director of the Veterans Repertory Theater, and this is the savage wonder of Jesus Daniel Hernandez. Jesus, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thank you, and thank you for inviting me. Oh, listen, it's a pleasure. Uh, I've been listening to your music ever since I came across you on Instagram, and I am not a classical music aficionado, so you're going to be educating me, hopefully not too much, but there will be things that you'll be like, dude, that's a minor league question. Why would you ask me that? So there will be moments like that, but um, but I really enjoyed it, and I think um, I, I think this is why... I wanted you on the show is that you're a good gateway drug, I think, for a lot of people to get into classical music. You certainly were that for me even now because I know your backstory and because when you have that kind of veteran bond, you're like, oh, yeah, shit, let me give this a listen. Yeah, let me see what this is like. And um, and that just made the music much more enjoyable for me. So uh, it's a blast to actually be able to have you on. My pleasure is mine, man. You have no idea how many actually friends of mine, they uh, they come across and say, you know, I just listen to this just because you're a brother. Because it's you. <laughs> yep. And all of a sudden, I get a call. It's like, dude, this is actually nice. Uh, it's like the only opera I knew it was Andrea Bocelli. And like, well, <laughs> Andrea Bocelli is is it's a good start. But I, I'm I'm glad I, I'm glad I get to actually get the link so people can essentially listen to more. No, absolutely. And and the thing is, is that uh, it's not. 
you know, uh, one of the things I'm always, I don't know, I don't want to reveal too much, too much, I guess, but one of the things I always look for when I'm finding like veterans I want to talk to that are artists is, you know, how professional are they? And, you know, is it something, you know, you don't want to just do charity where it's like, Hey, okay. I'm glad you're trying to do something. You are like unbelievably, not just talented, but also that's been reciprocated And the Washington times has written great stuff about you. When you have Placido Domingo speaking your praises, not to mention putting you in his you know, training program, uh, which I want to ask you more about, because I probably just used the wrong language to describe it. Um, but I mean, your bona fides and, and and all that it it is just really impressive and um and not surprising when you listen to the music um because i think that's what talent does i think if you're really talented at what you do even if somebody isn't into that medium it's going to transcend and the talent just speaks to people and if they're willing to give it a listen they'll they'll start to catch on and they'll start to see what you're putting down it does i think um Anyone who, who, in one way or another, puts uh, its heart and talent uh, into their talent and uh, accompany it by the uh, previous experiences or life experiences, that person can create something unique, regardless of the talent that it could be. It could be a writer. It could be a dancer. Um, uh Anyone who just puts their heart and life experience before into the art or into whatever they're doing, it could create something unique that can actually reach and touch somebody else's heart. How much do you think hardship, um, struggle has played a role in where you are musically at this point? Well, you know, I think that uh, it, has, it has taken a big part. Um, because um, a musician or uh, a musician or an artist, like an actor, a writer, without actually having you know these kind of hardships in their life, uh, it's kind of like faking it. So you need to have those kind of hardships. Doesn't matter what kind of hardships um, or or um, previous sadnesses you know, that you've been accumulating through your life. Um, I call it inner demons. <laughs> right. All these things, you know, they carry a weight so that when you present it, at least like in my case, where I get to actually sing a song, I get to connect to that particular song. And um, and there are many times <clears throat> where, uh, uh, like, I I, 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 uh, I broke. Like, sometimes really? it's really Yes, wow. that had happened because uh, uh, this all these things connects you to. It's kind of like channel. You channel all this energy, and you put it into that particular thing that you're doing at the moment. And whether it is a uh, 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 and a private concert with uh, uh, a friend, uh, or whether it is a uh, a recital, or whether you're doing the full opera you find those moments that kind of music that draws you in and then you bring some, these emotions that can channel into that. So you can create something unique. What was the reaction when you've broken? Did, did, did the audience, were, were they, did that just blow them away? Did that really move the needle for them? What, what, what did you, <clears throat> could you tell how they responded? Well, you know, I, it was a, uh, uh, I remember it was a private concert 
and uh, uh, this. Um, uh, I like uh, 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 the the, the, um, the setting for that particular concert was uh, nice. It was very amicable, mm. and uh, uh, there's there, there were a lot of people who um, they they have known me since I started singing uh, wow. and, uh, sure. from 2008, and so they practically they have seen my growth. Uh, mm. Uh, musically, as a singer, as a tenor, and as a person, so um, I, I I sang this uh, song. It's called El Reloj, which is as uh, is is in my is in my in the album. album first first track, right? Yeah, and I'm yeah. and I'm, I'm I'm very connected to 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 that song because of the history that I have with that with my grandma and and many many things that the song talks about. And uh, I remember I'm performing, I'm singing highway through it, and I just, uh, I, I, I couldn't continue singing. And uh, uh, so I'm, 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 I'm crying, I'm sobbing. And, and the reaction to the public, you know, it's like, um, uh, I, I told them, I'm sorry, I just, I, I can continue. <laughs> yeah. uh, just give me a minute. And, <laughs> uh, and the people, you know, just like start applauding. They start, uh, some people start crying too. Wow. Uh, and um, the mostly was a, a very wonderful, warm reaction. I think <clears throat> it's very, it's very uh, uh, innate, human innate. Yeah. to when you see somebody uh, crying, that you actually feel that connection. Even even if you don't know him, like you feel that connection. And for that split moment, you're connected to that person, and therefore. Is you feel that person's pain, and so you'll be em- empathetic. It was a it was a very unique situation. That's incredible. It's strange um, for me when I when I listen to your album, and then uh, you know kind of start to research all the songs because classical for classical <clears throat> vocalists like you, you're not writing your own songs. You're doing other songs that are kind of in and you're finding your repertoire and so much of your work is finding what speaks to you personally it yeah. seems like that, that and I, that was um i wasn't fully aware of that and so i guess my first question is what draws you to the certain songs are there songs that what that you're singing like El Relo, that um means something to you because of because you already knew them, or is it something where you're singing it and just the music moves you in a way that you're like, I need to add this to my repertoire? What makes something worthy of being in your repertoire? Well, you know, uh, mostly is is what connects me to and what moves me. Uh, I have, um, for example, in that particular album. Uh, these were all songs that um, I kind of, particularly Spanish songs, that were songs that I grew up singing. The other songs uh, were songs that I kind of like, uh, I learned as, a, as, as an opera singer. And these songs that captivated me. Um, practically this album, the Lorologio, is, uh, it was <clears throat> a chronological uh, timeline of my uh First steps as a singer. Uh, growing, growing up as a kid, we had this uh, singer. His name was Pedro Infante. 
it, call it our Mexican Frank Sinatra or Dean Martin. Right, right. <clears throat> used to make movies and very polyphasetic in his voice. Uh, so he had a lot of abilities to sing different styles, uh, except opera. But I'm sure that he would have wanted to, he could actually could have gone that route. Mm. And growing up as a kid, I I just was uh, in love with this guy's voice. And um, I just wanted to sing like him. So I started, sing, I started uh, listening as a kid, a lot of this music that I grew up, folklore music, boleros, rancheras, and um, and all these songs, I'm discovering these songs along with my grandma. <clears throat> because like, if I have any question about it, my grandma, she was born in 1917. And so she heard all these songs, like from when, um, she was like one of the first fans that came out. And when the radio, so oh, I, this wow. is a new song by Ben Infante by Dean Martin. I, she, she would be like on the radio listening to this. So, and was uh, she a singer too? Did she also sing? She sang, uh, but not professionally. She she had a very lovely voice. Um, I have two uncle music. It comes from my mom's family. I have two uncles that they sang. Uh, one of them, including uh, study classical, <clears throat> and. Uh, Something I didn't know until years later, uh, I had a, a great aunt that she also was a soprano, a classical singer. Uh, and, uh, and she actually dealt in the um, almost professional way. Uh, traffic, traffic, a tragic story. You know, she, she, she killed herself uh, and uh, she found uh, her husband with someone else. And uh, so, and she killed herself. And this is a story, you know, like my grandma didn't Jeez. tell me for years later. But it is, I think, uh, uh, nevertheless, you know, uh, a great story. Yeah, it's kind of an opera in and of itself. Yeah. Yes. And then uh, um, the, uh, the classical part is just things that I heard that I like. And if it moves me, I remember... I don't even have to listen or know the language. Growing up as a kid, there were a lot of in, uh, songs in English that I listened to. That I didn't know what they were or what they were saying, but I just love it. You know, uh, big example, <clears throat> there was a song. It just made, because it made me happy. Uh, uh, it was red, red wine, red, red. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. UB40. Yeah, sure. Till the end, till, till, uh, you know, at the end, whatever the little rap he says or red, red one again. Okay. <clears throat> Ask me, until <clears throat> this day, I have to look at the lyrics because in my mind is so engraved what I used to sing, what I thought the singer used to sing, and it was nothing. In my mind, <laughs> I will be red, red one. You made me feel so fine. I got to you, love you all of the time. And that's what I was saying because that's all I understood. So, but it just made me happy. Yeah. Uh, and and that's something that I think has stayed with me through all these years. And I I'm, I'm very drawn to music that moves me, whether it's a sad piece, a melancholic, nostalgic, or happy piece. I'm attracted to it. Um, uh, and it doesn't matter the genre. It could be, it could be classical. Uh, like right now, um, I'm into um, Pearl Jam. <laughs> really? Well, yes. Because uh, of Eddie Vedder. Yes. Because the there, vocals, yeah. Yeah, there is a, a, a very uh, good song that um, uh, my wife um, uh, introduced me. Mostly, 
my wife, she's a, she's the a, a big hardcore uh, Eddie Vedder fan. And um, <clears throat> I used to like him when I was uh, younger as a pro jam. The first album, it was, it was good. Uh, but then uh, uh, years later, my wife said, like, oh, let's go to a pro jam concert. I, oh, I don't want to hear him. Right. Right. Because, uh, uh, you know, like later on, I heard uh, Eddie Vedder singing uh, the song, Oh, where, where would my baby be? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm going to say, Oh, no, like he sang the song. I don't know about that. But then <laughs> I, I went to see him, and he's like, uh, uh, the, the guy is just, if you have you seen him in, 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 in performance? Never, never seen him live. Okay. Um, it's like he gets because Eddie Verdi is kind of like a shy type of person, but he gets there on stage. He transforms, mm. and whatever he's doing, he makes you feel it. And all of a sudden, I'm never seeing it alive, and I'm feeling it. I'm like, and wow. uh, and there's a song that he came out with. Um, uh, it's called Present Tense. Uh, my wife uh, sent it to me, and. Um, uh, and I heard it. Uh, I heard it, and it's like you know. I I think I can make an arrangement on this, for me. So I'm I'm working right now on this. Wow. Uh, mostly because I, I'm, uh, I, I'm moving into actually doing uh, something that um, uh, has to do with PTSD with brothers. PTSD. Gotcha. Gotcha. So. Um, uh, I, I wrote, actually, I, this is just happening. I was at, at a concert um, last year, and um, I was listening to the music, and also I just like, kind of concentrate because whatever, whatever they were playing, it was making me feel something that I feel the urge that I needed to write something. So I'm start writing lyrics, and, uh, and I'm writing these lyrics that... Um, uh, they just um, um, they they just spoke to me, and and it's about the uh, the way uh, we felt when we were in Iraq, and I'm writing all this thing down because whatever I'm listening is is feeding me that inspiration, and then uh, I came home and I'm trying to work on the on the chords and the, and the song, and then uh, my wife is like, well, you should listen to this. And it's present tense, and I'm like, "Oh, this will be a perfect like marriage of what I'm doing with uh, with uh, with present tense." Beautiful. So I, wow. I it's it's all. It, I think music uh, doesn't matter the style or the genre. Is uh, is it has always been able to speak to me in many many ways. Many. That I mean. Again, I don't know the, the the classical world that well, but that's incredibly rare that a singer that's as trained as you would then suddenly pick up the pen and start writing lyrics to something, isn't it? Well, uh, mostly mostly classical singers they like to stay in that area in the room, right? Right. But uh, um, I'm not a typical classical singer. Uh, I, as a matter of fact, I became classical singer by. Mere, mere accident. Yeah. Uh, a, uh, I grew up singing, you know, boleros, crooning. I even played at, at a at a rock band for uh, quite some time. So, 
I, I was able to actually to sing pretty much about anything. I even sang at this uh, band where we used to play for weddings and parties. And you had to knew how to yeah, sing to pretty much everything. Yeah. So uh, uh, I was kind of like the wedding singer. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a big transition too, because now writing your own stuff, creating your own stuff. I mean, now you're you're really getting into, you know, what we all think of generally as a musician, where it's like, oh yeah, I'm. This is my own material that I'm working on. That's really exciting. Yeah, you know, I since I was a kid around. 16, 17, I started writing my own music, my mm. own song. I have never, till this day, I have never uh, uh, released uh, anything uh, original yet. Um, I think uh, within a couple of next, uh, within a month and a half or two, I'll be releasing the uh, single for Loro Locho, but with the, or- with the orchestra. Okay. And then uh, and there's another uh, a French piece I'm releasing in a more modern style. And then I'm going to wait until actually I can put this album um, with this uh, uh, couple of original songs together. Uh, and um, so, uh, I mean, if you want to, I can actually read to you part of the lyrics. I'd love to. Are you kidding? Yeah, go for it. So uh, uh, it says, uh, brother, oh brother, brother, oh my brother. In times of war, we met. Your dreams became my dreams. Your kin, my kin, even though we had different skin. Remember when we used to yell with pump in our veins, kill those fuckers, fuck those bastards, or brother, at the end, we were the ones who got fucked and killed by the deals of those bastards. In a palace full of bullets, did we talk about our loved ones when ditching motors and in crazy times we embrace in each other's arms. Brother and my brother, your cry became my cry and you wound my wound. In the sand of a distant land, your wounds spill your blood, but mine continues to bleed in the same house where my kids play around. Brother, brother, in the lines of fire we still steal, many of our enemies in our hands became ill. We regretted that because that's not what we believed in. We were Christian killing so young and so naive. Brother, my brother, the way we were holding our empty stings in our service for a new reign, when we were soldiers fighting with no end. Brother, my brother, I'm sorry for I came back and you did not. Or I came back and you did not. Can you do me a favor and send that to me? I will, bro. Is that cool? I, I would love to, um, yeah, I would love to actually put that in our in our blog and link it to you and all that stuff. But that's, um, I, I think, without any more foreplay, we need to dive right into the veteran part of your experience then, because that, there's no way to, to segue uh, any better than that. Um, let me set the stage a little bit and just correct me where we're, you know, in filling the gaps of this narrative, but you obviously have been born and raised in Juarez. You came to the United States. How soon after you came to the United States, did you go into the army? Oh, well, it took uh, uh, a while because I moved from Juarez to El Paso, actually Salem Park, New Mexico, uh, when I was around 14, 15. Okay. All right. And then uh, um, I moved around. I, I, I got married way too young. I was 22 when I got married. 23, I had my first kid. Wow. And... Uh, 
Um, then later on, I we moved to Amarillo, Texas. And uh, and what were you doing? How were you making money at this point? Well, you know, at this time, I was uh, uh, <laughs> I did pretty much everything. I I I went from um, uh, sell having my own business, jewelry business. I used to go around like in different um, uh, like s- s- strip mall sections, so I can sell. Uh, jewelry. I sell curbies. I sell cars, um, and uh, I work different in different uh, uh, in different jobs um, just to make ends. Because um, I I was already married. It was yeah. Yeah, yeah, So I had to drop out of school, uh, out of college, really uh, early. Then we moved to uh, Amarillo, Texas, because um, we were having a hard time. Uh, economically at the time and my sister used to live in Amarillo and she said you know there's a company here that you can do you can work a lot of hours there's no limit in overtime so it was the uh, slaughterhouse um, and uh, so I, I, I moved to Amarillo for a couple of years and I was working you know uh, when when it is allowed to me like 75 um, in some occasions even 80 hours didn't do it all the time, but like I was, if I was allowed, I, I would just like work that many overtime. Wow. wow. So um, <clears throat> it was in 2000, uh, uh, at the end of 2002, when uh, um, I decided I, uh, I needed to do something else with my life. Um, I was, uh, I remember I went to work. I guess I, my shift it was in the morning. I used to work at the saw, like cutting the meat. And um, and my first uh, uh, break it was around eight, uh, eight, eight, eight fifteen, eight thirty. So I remember I told my supervisor. I said, uh, you know, you gotta get somebody else in here. I'm taking the day off. I'm I'm I I cannot work today. If you, I just I just needed that that moment. And she's like, yeah. well, we can fire you. It's like, well, do whatever you need to do. I had a union. I, I, I had never, you know, missed a, a day. So I knew nothing wrong was going to happen. Right, right. I left. And uh, uh, and it was those kind of moments uh, that we all have at, at some point where you feel broken. Mm-hmm. Uh, you feel like your dreams, ideals are kind of like draining. And... Uh, and uh, uh, at that time, I was very uh, uh, in touch you know, with, with God. I mean, that's a different story. <laughs> but at that time... Um, oh, that's great. Yeah. And uh, so I remember I sat down, I had a coffee. I, I drove all the way to the mall and, and, and I'm praying to God. And I said, I, I asked God, like, God, like, you gave me this talent, you gave me all these things, but uh, what am I doing with this? Like, I'm not happy like give me a sign what I need to do. Where do I need to what what I need to do right now? And uh and I'm 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 saying all these things and I'm some at some point I, I found myself like saying it aloud. Hmm. So I I got out of the mall and the and the route they usually take is to take just to go back home is closed. So I have to go to the side street mall and the first thing I see is the uh, recruiting office. Wow. So I, I look around and it's like well I think this is this must it. This might be it. So I got out of the car, and um, I I walked in, and uh, 
And I asked the guy, what do I need to do to join the army? And of course, like right now, uh, I still have an accent, but back then I used to, my English is really bad. It was really bad at the time. So I was like, what do I need to do to join the army with this thick action? The guy, the first question, the recruiter asked like, well, uh, you have papers? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I said, uh, yes, it's like uh, American. I said, no, I'm, I'm resident. Well, yeah, you can still serve. Uh, uh, quick question, you have college. It's just a couple of credit hours. And he said, uh, okay, um, are you married? Yes. Have you talked to your wife about it? Like, no. You want to talk to her about it? No. It's like, well, uh, okay, let's let's see what we can do. And I signed all the papers. I did a test right there. And then later on, he said, well, you know, you qualify for these kind of jobs. That time I, I chose, I believe uh, it was uh, 54 Bravo, which was called Chemical Operator, Operator Specialist which later on translated to CBRNE, yep. which is what it is now, with that's the 74 Delta. 74 Delta, sure. And uh, uh, so I, 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 I joined some of the papers. I went home and I told my uh, wife at that time, I said, uh, I joined the army and I'm living in March 10th. <laughs> she got upset and uh, of course. <laughs> yeah, uh, I bet she did. She wow. got upset and everything, but you know, um, uh, and she's like, why do you have to do this? Like, I, 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 we, I had to do something, not only for me, but for everybody. Otherwise, I feel like I'm going to die here not doing nothing. And so, I, so wait, 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 sorry, I just got to clarify a couple things. This is, uh, it, it, I think a lot of people can relate to that story and those moments that lead you to a recruiter's office. Um, because you were working in the slaughterhouse, do you think that that, I don't know, I, do you think that gave you kind of the mental framework to go, yeah, I could do something. You know, like all your jobs have been in sales, right? Up to that point. But then the slaughterhouse is something different. It's manual labor. You're cutting up stuff. Was there a sense of you that like, yeah, I, I want to do something physical where my life's on the line and there's kind of higher stakes. And so the army made more sense or had that always been in your blood that like, no, I'm, I'm down to fight. I, I, I'm ready to go, you know, jock up yeah. if, if I need to. You know, I, uh, I, the idea was implanted when I was in when I graduated from high school. <clears throat> um, I had always been a uh, um, uh, had always liked sports and um, being in high school and still uh, all my twenties, part of my thirties, I had always been decent shape, good shape. I like I like to work out once in a while, but back then that's all I uh, I could think of. So when I graduated from high school, I remember I, um, the um, uh, when you're doing your ACTs, mm -hmm. the recruiter uh, uh, came to me. <laughs> it just sounded like the uh, the uh, the kid the recruiter came to me, <laughs> and uh, he um, he gave me a very nice option. Like I, I if if I can recall, I, I cannot remember very well, but he even he was even talking on RTC and. And uh, uh, mm. like going to college, you, they will pay for college and everything. And uh, um, it is, this actually got me excited for a little bit, but I was very um, um, divided because I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness. And uh, gotcha. so my mom, yes. So my mom, um, she, she started like, I wanted to do this. 
And at that time, I was already kind of like leaving the uh, organization. I was leaving the religion. So I was very, I was very inclined to actually go that route. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but my mom, she's like, no, you better think about, you know, God and all this and all that. So it kind of like, oh, and I remember every time that the recruiter would call, my mom would answer and she told him not to call me anymore. So that, and that kind of like, uh, put that a, a stop right away. Sure. But the idea uh, stayed in my mind, you know, like I, I could do this. Um, and I remember while I was uh, working at the slaughterhouse, um, I made a decision that because I used to live about um, almost a mile and a half from where the slaughterhouse used to be. So I made a decision that I was going to wake up every morning and I was just going to like run towards the uh, 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 to work. Oh, and yet, yeah, you would, you, you would see me like, like yeah. if you would be going driving, like people, uh, colleagues used to stop and like, hey, you need a ride? Like, no, I'll meet you over there. So I got into this kind of like nice uh, physicality and my job was very physical too, that um, I saw the commercials and and it started like putting ideas and like, I, I can do this. I'm sure I can do this. So, um, did 9 11 mean anything to you? Did we, I mean, when it happened, were you like, did that fuel well, you, you to know, go, hey, maybe was, the army now or anything? That was a big trigger because, uh, I, I, I started my job that day. It wasn't the, uh, uh, second day of training, uh, at that job at the slaughterhouse when everything happened. Wow. So, um, the uh, 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 like we we had it, we, we were doing the training, and all, all of a the sudden, they put the the uh, the news on the TV, and and all of a sudden, you know, like everybody's getting all riled up. Um, and at this time, you know, like, um, because during that time, there were a lot of talks that, um, uh, we were gonna go to war, we were gonna go to war, and um. And I have heard uh, through, you know, um, uh, trash talk <laughs> at, in, in the locker rooms, like one of the guys uh, had joined the army uh, too. Mm -hmm. He was yeah. still, and uh, and I heard he's like, well, you know, like the thing is, like they they are they they're needing uh, soldiers to to go, and uh, for some reason, you know, like um, you know, from me thinking uh, from my first time like I think I can do this to it's like I feel like I I could be a part of this and I could do my 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 thing in this plus you know I put it on the top like at the end uh and it took me about a year or so uh to actually make that um transition where it's like you know yeah this job I can actually do something better and besides the art needs to actually to uh in 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 for the country they they, they need people right now they're employing a lot of people um so i i it was an easy decision to yeah. make as i go there and you know it's it's uh um i i just, I just gotta do it and use not uh, hey, you know sorry go ahead no 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 go ahead so i was gonna ask you know one of the things i think people often overlook, and I probably don't ask enough questions about when I talk to folks on the show, is the MOS selection. Um, I think a lot of civilians don't understand how big a deal that is to pick your job. I think they think, oh, yeah, you just joined the army. It's like, well, but doing what? And, there, and that there's a very different culture 
for each job and each job has its own little headspace and, and its own identity. What drew you to what eventually became Seaburn, you know, especially like what, what drew you to that? What, why that job? You know, uh, going, going back, I probably would have done a little different. I would probably still join the same, the, the same MOS, but there were a lot of things I wanted to do within the army uh, because I joined the army. Like I was, I was the, the recruiter's dreams prospect. Came in, ready to join some of the papers, and he's like, fuck out of here, practically. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but like if I would done at least some sort of research, um, I think I probably ask a little for, you know, airborne. Uh, I wanted to go to special forces. I wanted to put Ranger. I wanted to put all those things in contract, but I didn't know any better. So uh, I remember they offered me a, 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 a big list of things. And um, and I'm asking the recruiter, so what is this? And said, so, well, you know, you're in the tank most of the time. And it's like, no, nah, I'm not attracted to that. Um, and he said, well, there was, and, and I remember the third or fourth, he's like, well, this is a chemical operator specialist. You know, you learn about um, um, radiological nuclear bombs and, you know, you... Um, that's it. That's all he said. And, uh, um, it's a pretty cool job. And I said, well, you know, just put me for that one. <laughs> so I like, just put me for that one. It was just yeah. like, like that, like, just give me that one. Um, as I said, you know, back then, uh, uh, like I knew, uh, I knew English. Like I went to high school and, uh, I, I knew how to read it and, and, and write it. It's just like, I was, I did not have the opportunity to practice very much. Many people ask me, well, you've been to States for like so many freaking years. Why well, used to have an accent? The thing is that when I moved to the States, I, I literally crossed a bridge from Juarez to El Paso. Like all, yeah. uh, all my friends, they spoke Spanish to me. I mean, I went to high school, even my white teacher spoke Spanish to me. <laughs> so is uh 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 it's it it it, it was still it's kind of like being in mexico but you know in in, in, in the united states yeah and uh uh i had to go to the store and everybody spoke spanish to me till this day whenever i go back home and i and i go to mcdonald's and i say uh hi can i have a mcdonald's it's like si señor en que le puedo ayudar <laughs> like they're responding back to me in spanish yeah, yeah. i hear the accent in there right away it was a time it used to bother me, but now it's like, you know, it's, I just had to let it go. And uh, uh, so. Well, wait, wait can, I, can I just ask one thing? Did you immigrate yourself? Was it just you when you walked across the bridge? No, just like, my whole family. Your whole family walked across. Okay. All right. So yeah, unless my, you had the support system there. Yeah. yeah my, my, my sister has, she was already in the States with uh, uh, her husband and uh and my dad, you know, he used to work in El Paso, so and we used to live in Juarez. And my dad is like, you know, we just move over there. Gotcha. So through all these years, you know, like I, I even though I went to high school, I, I even had some college, and um, uh, I, 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 I always liked reading. I remember I, uh, I used to read uh, a lot of books, and uh, in English, so I can actually keep it fresh. Um, still, you nobody know, believes I, you. Nobody takes you up on it. Nobody will talk, yeah, talk it to you. The, 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 the thing is that still, my English was not as strong as probably was it is. It is right now. <laughs> I, I like to think. Um, 
But uh, uh, it was not until I joined the Army Man when I started to get exposed to all the uh, accents, to all the uh, idiomisms yeah. of each region. Uh, like, I didn't know what, like, Namin meant. You know, like, Namin. I had a sergeant who got upset at me because I honestly, he's like, uh, hey, son, you got to do this, this is not Namin. And like, uh, <laughs> what, can you repeat the last part? Namin. And and uh, and he got upset because I couldn't understand it. You know, it's like I I honestly I didn't know. Um, so it's 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 I know like now nowadays it's like I I know I have a I have an accent and I I mean there's nothing I can do about it, but uh, I know that my English is very Americanized because uh, I know a lot of the slang, a lot of the, the uh, um, uh, idiomisms to use. Right. Right. So even when I'm in Europe, uh, uh, and most of my friends they they speak English, you know, in the uh, b- British way, um, they all said, you know, like it's funny because you still you still have an accent, but you sound very American. <laughs> I say, thank you, my friend. <laughs> that, Took you a long time together. Oh, that's right. That's, that's hilarious. What what did it mean for you when you were? Um, Going through through basic through Seaburn, uh, AIT. Do, do, were you? Did you think? Yep, this feels right. I'm on. I'm on a bit more of a path. This is all making sense. Was there a sense of? Oh, I screwed up. I should have taken a different job. What? Where was your head at? What was your experience oh, no, like? I, I I walk in there and I felt like I was home, bro. Really? It's uh, uh, as a matter of fact, and I'm sure if. Some of my colleagues from uh, that uh, basic training, they would not allow me to lie. I was killing it. And I was the first one who actually got a 300 on my PT test out of a whole company. So I felt like home. Like, as you know, I, I told you, like, I felt like I was already some sort of like an, uh, in a good physical shape. We have a, um, um, I had a couple of drill sergeants that were really, uh, inspiring. Joseph Flory, if you hear me, bro, big hugs to you. Um, this guy was so, um, was such a big inspiration to me. Like, um, he was going through hard times, uh, hard time there at the time. But his dedication just like to come and teach us, particularly during the time that we practically, we were, we knew we were going to get deployed. And uh, I remember the first, you know, they set you down, right? And uh, within the second, third day, you're going through uh, all these PowerPoints. <clears throat> and uh, uh, the first sergeant uh, and came in. I can't remember his name. Um, but he used to talk, like, really high. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, like, the news came out and... Uh, um, uh, we're like bombing the shit out of Baghdad, right? And then uh, we're seeing all this on the screen. And then the first sign turns to, to turns to all of us and it's like, you fuckers are gonna be there at some point. <laughs> and yes, you not, not gonna come back. Some of you will not come back. And uh, and that's for that's for some reason, you know, like um, I think it was very 
uh, natural for uh, uh, someone who wanted to be a soldier uh, to actually be riled up of it's like, oh, yeah. so we got like pumped, like, oh, we're gonna go. And uh, Joseph Flory was uh, a fake inspiration, and he 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 was very uh, strict and and uh, PT. So I always make uh, my point to always when it, because he's the one. He was one of the fastest runners. I always make sure that I run next to him. Mm, yeah, and I think at some point, I uh, he uh, I because the one who actually sits in the corner is the one who sets the pace. At some point, I I said the pace too fast. He would say like, "You need to go back to the other corner because you you're you're uh, who's like you fucking up my breathing." <laughs> but uh, I, I you know I I just felt like I was like at home. Like I remember like first day, everybody's yelling, <clears throat> they're yelling at you and you know you and and I I'm I'm holding my duffel bag and uh, the uh, um what was his name uh, drill sergeant. Uh, I remember his name. Anyway, he came in and he said, uh, um, why are you laughing? What is the smile? <laughs> he keeps yelling at me. And I'm just like, how do you smile? Because yeah. he's like, uh, he's, 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 he's pushing me. And, uh, and then later on, he's like, well, what do you think is funny? And I said, it's like, I feel like I'm home. Like my mom was very strict. It was like, she's like, Jehovah's Witness strict. This is like, <laughs> if if you can have my mom as a as a mother, then you like this is nothing, bro. And um, and I was just happy to be there because I was doing something that it was different. Is that I at least I was not, uh, I wasn't uh, I was not at a, 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 a cutting meat at the same station for hours yeah. and hours. Yeah, so I, I was excited to be part of that uh, culture, and I embraced it right away. Uh, I embraced it right away. Um, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the cool thing about this is that in many, in, in many, um, when you do your training, your basic training, you do it at one place and then you do, um, the, uh, MOS yeah, somewhere, else. somewhere else. Yeah. Now in this case, we, it's like, we had the same drill sergeants for the whole thing because everything is in the same thing. You were at Fort Leonard Wood, right? Is that the whole, yes. that's the other yeah. thing? Yeah. Or yeah. Anyways, the whole thing. So. The, these people, these drill sergeants, they became, you know, not only just like the, the mean guys, but they also, within time, they became, you know, your instructors. And then um, we had drill sergeant Cardoso, it's a Latino guy, you know, uh, he from Colombia. And uh, I remember, because uh, I know they, 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 they told him, you know, that how oh, we have a guy over there who, you know, has an accent just like you, because he had an accent too. And I remember he came to me, he said, um, Brian Hernandez. And he's like, where are you from? He's like, I'm from Mexico, Johnson. He's like, you speak any English? <laughs> like, yes, I do. He said, yes, I do. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. And he's like, well, because I don't understand what you're saying. Like, <laughs> with all the respect, son, you also have an accent. I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> is, is that right, Brian? <laughs> He got him and I, and uh, and it's funny because then years later, you know, like after deployment and everything, we serve in the same company. Really? Yes. And uh, till this day, we're very good friends. We're That's awesome. Friends. That's incredible. So, how was the family? How was the transition at this point? Were, were, were they along for the ride? Was this, you know, did you feel like uh, this you has know, been good for them too? 
Yes, uh, at first, because um, uh, this is with my ex-wife um, uh, at the time, she, at first, when I gave her the news, she did not like it. Um, but then uh, she embraced the culture. And uh, I mean, she embraced it so much that even, you know, after we got separated, you know, she decided to stay and, uh, in clean. And she's like, and she's been living in clean ever since. Uh, she, she, wow. um, but she, she didn't embrace the culture. And um, it was, uh, so it was, it was good that I had the support. Got you. So uh, at this point, oh, you've had all those odd jobs. You've had the slaughterhouse. Now you're in the army. Where's singing? Where's music in all this? I mean, I'm sure you're listening to it. I'm sure it hasn't left you, but do you ever sing uh, at this point? Or is it like, no, I'm my head's elsewhere? No, no, no. I, 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 used, I, I always sang. And uh, I think um, even, you know, when I used to be uh, at the uh, slaughterhouse, like I was known for, you know, be working and be singing all the time, like loud. So, uh, um, what were the acoustics like in the slaughterhouse? Oh, it's a big noise, and you hear that noise. But, yeah. but the people around me is like, "Oh man, sing this!" And I'm like, "Of course, I'm singing." Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, um, uh, when I when I went to basic training, uh, of course, I had that. Like, I, I was singing something not as big as all loud, right? But in the shower, I was. I like singing in, in, in showering. Something about it makes me happy. And um, <laughs> so, of course, mouth rounds around and drill sergeants find out about it. And of course, they're making, you know, they're, they're, they're fun out of me. So they used to call me Julio Iglesias. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and one of the things they used to make me do is like they say that... Uh, I look like uh, Denny, Denny Ordaz or the guy from uh, I Love Lucy. <laughs> Desi Arnaz. Desi Arnaz, that's a, yeah, that's the guy. So he used to call me, it's like De, uh, uh, Desi and, uh, or Julio Iglesias, and then I would go over there. And for uh, for some time, instead of said Jill Sargent, I used to say, I love Lucy. <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, oh, they used to make me say, like, Lucy, I'm home. Uh yeah, yeah. So, so they, they made fun, and they, they or, or whenever they call me, they I needed to shut up and just like sing a note or two. So, uh, so that yeah, was your they, thing. So that you were really that guy. That, I was that guy. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. But this is the thing: they made me that guy. I didn't want to be that guy. <laughs> you, you know, you're in basic training, and this is the thing: it's like, uh, it's because at that time, it's like I, I had to reprove myself that like I was I was good in uh, uh, I, and. I was maxing everything. I was hardcore and, and all that. And then they had to kind of like pushing me down, you know, like, like, no, no, it's not that hardcore. He's, he's a classical singer. Like, ah, and that's some good razzing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's some hilarious razzing. So where was your first duty station when you got out of AIT? They sent me to uh, Fort Hood. Yeah, okay. That's what uh, I thought. All right. I'm sorry. Wow. Oh, God. <laughs> So this is the thing, like, um, it's kind of funny because I, I, I wanted to join, I, I said, join the army. And once like, I'm going to, I'm going to see the world, um, which I didn't. <laughs> and, uh, I, I got stationed to Fort Hood and, uh, which it was nice because I still close to El Paso. And, um, 
I was able to see my uh, family once in a while, every sure. month. And <clears throat> so we got to uh, uh, Fort Hood. And within that month, um, uh, they uh, assigned me to a chemical um, um, division unit. I cannot remember which one. My mind is bad in that. Uh, and he, but I, I remember they were asking for volunteers to go uh, to Iraq. And um, and uh, 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 for me, it was not a big decision. Right away, I'm like, I go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, Much better uh, operating environment than Fort Hood anyway. So, yeah. Yes. That's cool. <laughs> so, I asked, uh, I remember uh, my uh, platoon sergeant, he said, like, no, I don't want you to go. I'm going to send you to a school for a new, at that time, there was a new company that they were going to build, like the uh, second Kim they were building. Uh, it was bits, something like that, okay. and uh, and I said no. I was like, fuck the train. I want to go. I want to. Yeah, go. yeah, yeah. How uh, long had you been at the unit at that point when you volunteered? For like about a month or so. Wow. Like wow. Month, like two months, not even. I don't even. Yeah. Not even that. So um um they they uh, they put my name on it. They prepare us, <clears throat> and uh, and off we go. We went to Kuwait, and then they sent us to Iraq. And I got there for um, uh, part of half of the deployment of uh, 46 chemical units. Um, and then, you know, uh, uh, we finished our deployment and uh, we came back. Uh, and the thing is that uh, when I came back, of course, you know, like I have all this adrenaline pumping. It's like after the period that we had to wait, or like, Oh, I'm submitting like volunteer. I want to go to Afghanistan. I want to go back. I want to go this. I want to that. But the assistant, for some reason, it rejected me. I never, never happened. And I saw commanders come and go. First ones come and go. All my friends they left, and they new guys came in, and I'm stuck in forty six company, uh, forty six chemical company. And uh, uh, finally, uh, I had a. a uh, a very uh, uh, a very good uh, first sergeant. He was uh, a great guy, um, uh, Cedric McLean. And he uh, he looked at my uh, my records and he said, "Well, you know, you've been here all this time. So why are you not going anywhere?" He's like, "I don't know." So he looked at my records and then uh, there was a code. When you come back from deployment, it's a code that they put that means that you're still deployed. And so that code was never taken off. So uh, for some reason, you know, it's like, I don't know, maybe it was meant to be because for what it was coming next. Right, right. Uh, um, uh, I, um, I, uh, during the time I also wanted to be, uh, I wanted to be special forces and but at the time I was not a uh, citizen yet. So I was thinking, you know what, I think I'm gonna have to like get, uh, when I get my citizenship so I can go and do this. Um, and, uh, but things were not aligned for that. I think, um, it was, um, meant for something else. You mentioned something about what was music and all this. It was always in the back of my mind. I remember, uh, I was in Taji, Iraq, and I, I, uh, I encountered this book. Um, a friend of mine, uh, passed me down. It was The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. And uh, and to be and to read this book, the Alchemist, in Taji, in the desert, yeah, like yeah. seeing the same 
it's kind of like I was looking through the eyes of the little shepherd because he wasn't there too. Um, it just meant something so much to me because uh, I always felt like, okay, you know, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And I, I'm, I'm happy doing, I was happy being a soldier. Um, but I, I, I wanted to do music as well. But even, even if it was just as, as a hobby, because at that time I was not do, even doing it as a hobby. Sure. Uh, sure. I just wanted to do something with it. And uh, uh, um, I read this passage in uh, Paulo and the book where he says, like, if you put your heart, um, um, if you put your passion where your heart is and you put actions into it, the uh, universe itself starts working around to make it happen to you. And, uh, and I think that's what happened because um, in 2007, I'm still uh, uh, in the, uh, uh, I'm still in Fort Hood. And um, after, you know, I got my, uh, after I got that code resolved, I got orders to go to Germany. And then uh, I got very excited because like, I'm going to Germany now. The examen lasted only two weeks because then we got orders to go to Iraq. So they supersede the other, the old order. So I had, I'm stuck in 46. Yet I'm like, I'm going to go somewhere. <clears throat> and uh, prior, prior to that, in 2006, I had broken my shoulder. And uh, while I was in, uh, in, uh, 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 in forehead, I broke my shoulder. So I had gone through a surgery. So, uh, um, so if, if we look into this, it was, uh, I saw during the time 2007, beginning of 2007, yeah, uh, Plaza Domingo was going to give a concert in San Antonio. So I sent an email to the uh, uh, opera director and said, like, you know, um, uh, I'm, a, um, I'm active duty. I would like to go see Domingo, but the tickets are way too expensive. Can you give me a, a veteran discount or military discount? And um, so he responded right away. He's like, I'll give you, I'm going to give you a free ticket. And it was a great ticket, man. Because like, Placid Domingo was like singing like almost across from me. Wow. And uh, so at the end of the show, I mean, I went in uniform. At the end of the show, um, it was very easy for me to actually just go backstage. I went through all the cups. Nobody bothered me. So, so that wasn't something that they set up. I read because when I read this story and it was, it's incredible. I can't wait for you to tell the rest of it. But I wondered if they had like set up a meet and greet with you and Placido Domingo after, but they didn't. This was all you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. wow. I, I, I think I think I set it up in my mind. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, this is a, uh, something that. It's funny because from the moment I knew that uh, uh, I got a, a ticket to go see Domingo, I always rehearse in my mind, like even in the showers or something, I will have a conversation, like like I will have a conversation with Placido Domingo and 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 uh, uh, that, you know, like he, he would practically ended up offering me something. At least he would hear me. And, uh, and I had this conversation, I played this conversation, I will be driving, I will be just like playing this conversation all over my mind. It's, it's, in a way, uh, without, without knowing, I was actually practicing the art of visualization. Yeah, yeah. So, because um, at this time, you know, like, uh, uh, I knew that I was already in order to go to Iraq, 
um, during, at this time, which I was happy, but you know, uh, so I went and I talked to uh, Placido, and then um, uh, when I when I went to this place um, and the concert ended, I went backstage, and uh, I'm walking through all these halls, and then all of a sudden, you know, like the uh, conductor uh, comes out, and he sees me, he's like, oh, it's like, what are, what are you doing here? Are you, uh, are you lost? And I said, no, I'm looking for Placido Domingo. Uh, I said, oh, you want his autograph? Yes, I want his autograph. So he's like, well, let me take you. So that way you can cut through the line. And the conductor took me there. Literally and, conducted you there. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And the conductor told me what Placido was. And I'm, I'm, I'm with Placido Domingo. And I asked him, like, to give me his autograph. And Placido Domingo is a very nice, approachable uh, person. And we start talking at this time. Of course, all this conversation is in Spanish. And then uh, he 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 asked me, "So, what do you do?" I said, "Well, right now I'm in order to uh, go to Iraq, and um, I'm gonna go back again." And he said, "So, how is it that a soldier likes the kind of music?" And I said, "Well, you know, I grew up listening to you, and I always wanted to sing like you." And he's like, uh, "Oh, so you sing like well here and there." You well, know, what have you sing? It's like, well, you know, I, 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 at that time I had done a couple of, uh, um, before the army, I, I, I did a, a little chorus of stuff and I set on operas, small things. And I said, well, you know, I, uh, I did the chorus on this and, and I sang mariachi. And uh, he said, ah, so you're so you singers. Like, so would you like to sing? And I said, yes, but you know, I don't want to lose my time. Uh, uh, maybe since you're asking me, you can probably hear me and you can tell me if I have what it takes. If not, you know, like macho macho, you can tell me, you know, you you suck. And he said, well, let's see what you have. And I went, uh, he took me to his dressing room and um, I sang. And then he's like, um, man, this voice does not belong, you know, in, in the army, it belongs to the opera. It's like it, you have a very unique uh, sound and I would like to help you. And uh, uh, he, he told me about this program that he has in Washington D.C. And I said, well, you know, this time I, I'm, I, I'm in a, uh, orders to go to uh, uh, Iraq, and my contract is not in until 2010. So um, the funny thing is that um, once again, when things are meant to you, are meant to you. Uh, I went back home, and uh, he actually. Uh, um, wrote a letter to my commander uh, uh, asking if I could be released of my contract after Iraq so I, I can actually go in and do this because I have a very special voice. And uh, of course, you know, my commander is like, you're a killer, you're not going to go anywhere and uh, end the contract, which I was happy to do that. Anyway, that was my plan. Right. And um, so uh, during this time, um, we are working uh, to actually get deployed. And um, I had already uh, written a letter um, and, uh, um, to uh, Domingos, Placido Domingos San, to let him know, you know, I'm going to have to wait until I finish my contract, and I would like to do that. So um, during this time, we're at, at, the, uh, at, at a field training exercise. And uh, during the field training exercise, um, uh, while setting up some tents, my shoulder uh, pops again, 
and they and they they sent me back to they sent me back to the uh, to the ER. I'm at the ER. The doctor is like, "Sorry, you're you, you're non-deployable. You cannot deploy." And uh, and I'm like, "Well, I I was at the moment I was upset. One because of the shoulder. Two because I." I had invested a lot of time with my, uh, with a lot of the soldiers. We, we were excited to go, and now I'm tell, he's telling me, "You can I go?" And he's like, um, "You have two options. You either uh, I reclass you, and so you can have a, a desk shop in the meantime, or uh, you can get I can get you out of the uh, or you can get out of in a medical uh, honorable discharge." And um, holy crap. And wow. so I, I remember I told the doctor, I said, like, well, you know, I, I, this is the situation. I, uh, I told him about the plus thing. And he's like, you must be stupid, son, if you don't take this opportunity. It's like God is speaking to you and the stars had lined up for you. I'm going to get you up. <laughs> so um, wow. I started the process of getting out and uh, I got out just in time. Uh, like it just happened. Like I went, I went, uh, they set the papers, it, it, it was fast, and then all of a sudden, you know, in 2008, I'm at the uh upper house, uh, starting the program with Plaza Domingo. It's wow, it's one of those things that I feel like, uh, just it was just meant to be. Uh, when you go against of the things that you're supposed to be doing in this earth, um, you you are just elong- elongating your suffering, and uh, uh, and and one and and the universe comes back and tells you, you know, okay, you railed out. You have to, I had to put you back in, and it keeps bringing you in, and it has happened through all these years. I have no idea how many times, like. Because it's hard, particularly in the beginning, it was really hard. Like after the program, like to get you know uh, to leave as a musician and all this, mm-hmm. it was hard. And then with two kids, provincial support, and and then uh, and then at this time, I was already very married uh, uh, with uh, uh, my 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 wife. Um, so it's like I have responsibilities, and uh, at some point, it's like you know, fuck this. But then once again, every time I have always said, you know, I'm going to leave this, God or the universe comes in and says, you know, here's, you cannot, you cannot leave this. And uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. When you went back to see Placido um, and you're going back to his dressing room and you're, you're taking that walk, knowing that he wants to hear you sing. And he says, hey, come back over here. Let's actually hear you sing. How nervous were you? Were you excited? Were you G'd up? Were you going, this is the moment? Or was it, or were you not thinking that? Were you like, no, 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 um, this is just normal. Let's just see what happens. Maybe I'm not met, cut out for this work. I, actually, I, I I was very sure he was going to like uh, my voice. I was very sure he was going to like my voice. Uh, um, but at the same time, I, my approach to it was uh, of having fun. I, I was having fun. I was having fun. What did you sing? Uh, I sang No Puede Ser. Uh, uh, I sang No Puede Ser. And uh, um, it is a, a zarzuela that uh, he sings and he made very famous. So I remember the way it happened is that 
Plaza Domingo tells me, well, you know, I, I, I would like to hear you. I need to say hi to these people, but uh, go and talk to my conductor, tell him what you're going to sing so you can rehearse a little bit. And, uh, uh, and then we'll talk soon. I'm sure what happened is like Plaza Domingo is like, told the conductor or Jin Kong, it's like, listen to him. If he's worth it, let, let me know. If not, just let me know. I'm sure that's probably what happened behind. Sure, so, sure, of course. So I, I went over there and um, and, I, and he asked me, so what are you going to sing? And I said, well, uh, no puede ser. And he looked at me and he's like, he said, you know that's Placido Domingo Jam, right? And I said, uh, yeah. Are you sure you want to sing that? Like, yeah. <laughs> so I sang it. I did not even finish the phrase. I said, no puede ser que esa mujer es buena. He closed the piano. He's like, he's going to love you. So I went. Holy crap. I sang this, and he's like, you know, I and 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 the rest was history. And it's still one of the, my favorite pieces to sing. Uh, tell me, tell me about the program. So, when you, <clears throat> what was, what did the program entail? How is it set up? Like, what, how long is it? What does it entail? What, what do you do when you're part of the program? Just, what was that like? Well, the program um, is um, um, is meant for uh, young artists, um, and these are. Uh, are targeting to are ta- is targeted to um, kind of like semi professionals already. Uh, this program is for people who already went through probably masters, even doctorates, and they already you know uh, uh, holding um, se- uh, semi professional jobs here and there. As and, singers, though, I mean, it's not as okay. As, as oh, singers, wow. as a singers. Oh, and yeah. these are um, very talented people. You know, hundreds of people audition for this thing and only 10 are selected a lot of time at least they were they were getting only 10 people i don't know how it is right now but they were getting around 10 people and uh and i just kept through i just i, I skipped through the whole part and uh i was the 11 guy just because plus i think was like we gotta put this guy and wow. i go there i go to this program with no knowledge of music. I, I don't know how to read music. I uh, I had taken only just a, a few voice lessons here and there, so my technique is is not is not strong. But I have this natural talent, and uh, and and plus Domingo like my voice, so I'm there just because of the pure will, Placido Domingo. And uh, so he calls Placido Domingo calls someone in Mexico. It's a program. It's called Sivam. And um, um, because they still need to find a sponsor for me uh, to, to, to pay fly. for everything, like yeah, to, to cover all, all your expenses, stipend, you know, wow. stipend wow. and everything. So um, they um, plus Emigo uh, got in touch with somebody over there, and uh, her name was uh, Pepita Serrano. And then all of a sudden, you know, like I, 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 I got a sponsorship through Sivam in Mexico. Uh, years later, um, I found out who was a sponsor. <laughs> they asked me to go and, and do a performance for somebody's birthday in Mexico City at the house of Jose Cuervo. Uh, at least this. And uh, um, so I, I went there, uh, Jose Cuervo Tequila. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, like... Um, uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm singing, and at the end, Pepita Serrano comes and says, well, it's time for you to meet your sponsor. And it was Carlos Slim. Wow. Holy crap. <laughs> it was Carlos Slim. Yes. 
For those and, that don't uh, know, I mean, Carlos Slim is, I think he's still the richest man in the world or something. He, close to it, right? the, yeah, he, he was one of the richest men in the world until, you know, Jeff. <laughs> uh, Jeff Bezos, right, right, of course. Um, we call him in Spanish, uh, Jeff Pesos. <laughs> it's true. It fits. Um, <laughs> so that's incredible. Um, you know, it is funny, you know, how much you talk about just that marriage of passion and investing in your passion and how suddenly the universe starts to kind of warp itself around you. And that's, I mean, Teplicito Domingo in your corner and then Carlos Slim in your corner. That's incredible. I mean, what a, what, I mean, just in retrospect, what a clear sign that you're on the right path that, that actually, I'm not gonna lie. That kind of got me a little worked up because yeah, that's a, uh, that's awesome to see when that develops that way. When you got to the program, knowing that you were under-trained compared to everybody else there. How did that strike you? Did you, did you ever question whether or not you belonged there? Did you go, oh, cool, I'm, I'm aggressive the way I was in the Army, and I'm just going to, I've got a steep learning curve, but I'm getting after it. What was your, how were you mentally dealing with all that? Well, you know, um, it's funny because um, anything that has to do with physicality, or 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 showing my my bravado or balls practically yeah, yeah. like a fight or something I'm always there uh, uh, now I'm actually more chill <laughs> but uh, uh, mostly because it comes with age um, so <laughs> at some point. I remember thinking, man, I'd rather be, I'd rather be in the drenched, like uh, ditching bullets, man. And then that not dealing with the uh, singing, the singing was beautiful. It's, it's dealing with the uh, the pressure um, because, you know, um, some, you hear the comments, you hear the people and uh, some people were not happy that I was there. Um, yeah. I mean, once again, uh, we, uh, we're going back to basic human, you know, yep. um, uh, feelings. Uh, and some people say, uh, thought that, you know, well, like we have gone through all the schooling, through all the masters, like we went through all these auditions sure. and, and, um, and, and, and just to be here. And this guy just like skips all that. Just Went to because, Iraq and that's it. Yeah, just, that's all yeah, he's done. He's, he's, yeah, he was in the army just because he's in the army, comes over here. And now he's, and and probably I think that's happened is because, of course, you know, I was uh, army with the story and everything. Um, the, uh, Washington National Opera, they were doing, you know, um, there were people, a lot of people writing about this and some of that. And, and I was getting some sort of attention, yet, you know, I was um, not like strongly strong of a singer as my other colleagues who were very good are very good and um so i could see where that uh uh um that actually the jealousy stemmed from uh uh or that i want to say jealousy i would say just the uh, discomfort you know like sure. I, like i feel like i work all this much yep. and you know this guy just comes over here and you know singing rancheras and and he just like uh getting all this attention, but, you know, um, I had always believed that uh, there's always something for everybody. Uh, throughout the years, I, I remember I finished a program 
and I learned a lot. Um, one, I learned to actually um, that keep you keep your project secret until you're actually doing or you're already in the process of doing them. Share them with all the people, the only people that are actually gonna uh, 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 help you yeah. uh, project this uh, project. Never show a fool a work half finished. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And, yeah. and, uh, um, and also, you know, do not share too much of your uh, uh, successes because people, even, the, even if you tell your brother uh, or someone who loves you, it's that sort of energy. It, it will, you know, be be. Uh, uh, it, it's going to cause some sort of effect in in what you want to do. Uh, and through and, and after the program, I learned all this because you know I, I started observing, and uh, it, that's where I got into my solar mentality. Being a, uh, I started being a more of an observer uh, um. uh, than uh, uh, than uh, it's where I I I. I I kind of like sat down and and said, okay, I need to just let's see the whole picture. What's going on in here? Um, because I uh, I was having issues. I was having a lot of vocal issues. Oh, uh, I was enjoying the time because I'm singing a lot of classical, which is not it's not the same singing an artist here and there, but then to sing every day it's like. And then there's a way to sing classical where um, the voice has to be trained to. Or um, sing certain um, passages in a technical way; otherwise, your voice is is, is going to suffer. So, is that part of the technique? And that technique it was something that I did not have. So, my voice struggled during the time, and it took actually years until I developed that uh, technique. In the meantime, I'm singing here and there, singing little things, and but. It took years actually to to develop that, so I could see why you know, a lot of uh, my colleagues at the time they were not happy. <laughs> it's like what this guy is doing over here. Yeah, sure. But there's um, uh, there's always bread for everybody, and you should. Uh, and nobody needs to be feel the need to you know talk down and other people just so you can get ahead. That's a big no no for me. That's where I'm. Uh, I, I started kind of like become a little more uh, observer. And that I, I was going to ask, because there's the reputation with singers that you start to get into the diva behavior and all that. Did you notice that? Did you notice a big cultural shift where suddenly you'd gone from knowing what a real suck looks like from working tough jobs, from being in the mm-hmm. army to now suddenly you're with people that are going, oh, you know, I have to rest my voice. I'm on vocal rest right now or, or having, you know, kind of emotionally charged outbursts over things that to others may not seem like a big deal. Did you notice that? Was that a thing? Um, no, it's, 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 still, it's, it's still a very, uh, a very much of a thing now. Um, and yes. And it's kind of, it's, it's kind of, um, it's kind of hard to say. Like I remember uh, during the beginning, after some years not long ago, I was like, I would, I would judge them. Ah, they're just being divas or divas. Mm-hmm. And there is the uh, the attitude that people just have as a diva, and 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 that just means that they're a bunch of assholes. <laughs> right. But then they're the ones who actually we think they're divas just because they're taking care of their voice or they're not doing certain things. But um, it's just like anything. I think, for example, in my case, I can smoke a cigar. And still perform, and still sing wow. without a problem. I can have a drink 
and and sing. That it doesn't it, it does not affect me mostly because the uh, in particularly in the opera there are a lot of taboos. You know, um, like oh you should you should not be doing this. You should not be doing this before uh, uh, prior singing. I was told by someone uh, uh, famous. <laughs> they say you know do not be the kind of tenor that does not have sex. Um, prior, uh, prior, uh, prior singing. So like my husband performs six, seven times a week. So that means I don't get anything. And, uh, uh, but there are those things, you know, like some people don't eat. They have their own things. So there are a lot of taboos. Are they true? Um, they're true as much as how you believe they are true. Mm. Um, uh, I think that, uh, at least for me, the biggest thing is sleep. If I sleep well, I'm mm. fine. I can, I can perform very well. Uh, I still gotta be careful. For example, like if I if I'm gonna be performing, and I make sure you know that uh, my intake of cigars is not a lot throughout the week, uh, so I can at least be a little fresh. Uh, but other than that, it's, it's just fine. But there are some people who take more care of their voice um, because they believe, you know, that if they don't do it, it's more of a psychological thing. And in that aspect, it's, like, it's, it's not my place to judge them. Right. They, they, they got to do whatever they got to yeah. do, you know. Yeah. And, and, and there's, a, there's a difference between what you need because you know what your instrument, your voice needs versus yeah. just being an asshole in general and, and letting that translate to every part of your life, I guess. Yes. Yeah, and, and the thing is, like, uh, I think growing up as a, uh, um, you know, like, I grew up in Mexico, with my father being, you know, a handyman, my grandpa was in construction, so um, I, I, I had a different uh, uh, mentality where uh, I just, whenever I see people who are acting just uh, um, different, because they they're into the classical world it's mm. like oh, oh 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 are you just uh, are you, i'm in the classical world I, yeah. i'm an opera singer and 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 some of them they even try to talk like this and uh, like well, what the fuck are you doing man it's just like like talk normal yeah uh yeah. and it's it just it's just that um that mentality that they the the, the more the more refined they think they are, the more fake they have to be. I don't know. It's just, it's not my thing. Did you find, uh, well, first off, how long was the program? How long were you in that program? It was two years, uh, two years, two years. So um, uh, I remember the first thing uh, I did, it was Lucrezia Borgia. Dude, I, it was awesome because uh, I remember walking into the, uh, um, uh, into the, uh, stage at the uh, Kennedy Center. I gotta tell you, I I, I did cry. I did cry a little bit. Like I like my tears, like because it's like I never imagined in million years I would ever be there. And uh, in my first opera, I have uh, I was I had a compromario role, which is like it's a, it's an important role, but it's a small role within the uh, opera, right? Um, and I'm singing like Placido Domingo's conducting. I'm singing with uh, 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 René Fleming, uh, 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 Ramundo Ruggiero, which is like a legend. And uh, uh, at that time, it was like a very, uh, the new incoming, like the very famous uh, tenor, uh, Vittorio Grigolo. Mm. 
<clears throat> and so I'm singing all these like A plus cast and and I was just excited, just like to have Renee Fleming next yeah, to me. Course. It was really nice. And this was was this like the capstone of the program, or was this just during the two years? When was that you know, performance? The, uh, during, during the program, what you do during the program is like you in the, the on, on the program you like they they you take uh, language lessons, mostly Italian. You, you gotta speak Italian, and then uh, and and then you have your coaching sessions, uh, voice lessons, um, and then you have uh, um, acting lessons as well. So throughout the the whole thing, when whenever for example, like whenever you are uh, you're not in the season, uh, you're working. Uh, on your your honing on your skills, but then for example, like they say that they they cast you for some of the operas, you're actually working along to actually to to learn the the, the repertoire, to learn the uh, 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 the music, and <clears throat> and start doing rehearsals for that particular opera. So it's pretty busy. They keep you busy all the time, uh, and then they have you like doing concerts here and there, um, uh, showcasing. Uh, which it was, it was. Um, I mean, it was a wonderful program. Uh, I feel that that um, uh, wouldn't I wouldn't I um, been more prepared musically? Like, uh, um, if I would have voice lessons before or knowing music, I would have probably taken more advantage of it, uh, as like my friends did. Mm. But um, uh, for some reason, you know, that's not how you things were written for me, but still, you know, that doesn't mean that it did not help me. Like on the contrary, uh, uh, it just showed me, you know, that, okay, this is some, this is the world I want to be, but I need to put all this much effort so I can get to this level, to that level that I want to be. And uh, because it showed me exactly, okay, talent is going to take you to only certain point, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but preparation is going to take you even further. And, uh, and, and that's what I decided after that, you know, I left, um, I went, I, I, I went and studied in Italy, uh, with my voice teacher and, uh, I was determined to actually get this, uh, technique done and to learn repertoire and I started working, you know, here and there, started performing and, and I started getting more, uh, uh, in, in tune with my, in, in my own talent um to the point where now it's like i can pretty much i can sing opera today and and this morning and in the evening i can just go and sing mexican music or croon i can go and croon so it's 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 a nice thing it's a nice balance so did so basically the program taught you how you need to be training what your training regimen needs to look like day in day out to start getting your instrument where it needs to be yeah, it kind of opened my eyes to, to the okay. This is the level, uh, and this is what I need to. Uh, this is what I need to aim for. Um, Got you. Is that the, so? The, is the career path generally for a classical singer that you need to spend a lot of time in opera? Like you're rarely singing just by yourself. You're never. You're rarely giving recitals that are just you, or especially early on. It's always fitting into an opera so that you're part of a working production. Is that? Is that no, generally no. how the career goes, or what does the career look like? No, no, no. The career looks is uh, is is practically um, you do a lot of uh, uh, recitals. Um, you do. I mean, okay. mostly because um, this actually through recital is where you make your money. Uh, it's because uh, 
Let's, so let's say that uh, if you if you have an agent, things are uh, they are a little easier because agent helps you find those gigs. So let's say that you don't have an agent and um, you're auditioning for operas. So you go and audition for these operas, and then by the same time you need to make you need to make money. So a good way to make money is that you prepare certain recitals. And, uh, and and you start making these recitals and people can go and see it and then you can get some money out of it. But the recital is a big part of the uh, of the life of an opera singer uh, because it's not only just to uh, make uh, make money, you also can actually, through recitals, you find people who can sponsor you. Uh, and also it's a good way to rehearse and uh, to, to, to rehearse the music that you have prepared and put it, and uh, into your voice, into a performance. Because many things what happens is like, we, we, we practice an aria, right? I don't know, for example, let's say the, the aria of Carmen. No? And uh, like in my case, like uh, I'm, I'm, I'm dwelling right now into more of the uh, fr- uh, French repertoire. I'm, I'm, I, I sing mostly Italian. So French is something that I'm still working on. So I, at home, I have my coach, and I, I work through the aria, and I can sing the aria very well. But it's a different thing when I have to actually sing it for somebody else. Sure. And for the audience, um, it's a good way to actually uh, put those arias and into practice when you go into the recitals. So, what do you get? What does a singer get from the opera? Is it exposure? Because if you're saying it's not money and that you make more money generally from a recital, what, what is it that you? What's the net? takeaway from doing operas and from being in the opera scene uh what i mean Daniel? um is it is it what do you get out of it what do you get out of doing opera especially when you're starting out is it that it's exposure so that more people know who you are so they'll come to your recital or what is it that you do no no the 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 operas uh if you're hired for the opera the the opera i mean they uh if particularly it all depends on the house they um there are different level levels, you know. That they have the um, opera A, A house, B house, mm-hmm. C house. Um, the, depend on the uh, level of the house is how much they're gonna pay you, right? Uh, so they pay, they, they could pay very well. Okay. And, um, so it's it's like if, when you go to the opera, the opera is, is paying you just to perform. Um, but when, for example, when you're doing programs, for example, like the um, the young artist program uh, that they pay you, you you get paid, but also it's a big exposure, like yeah. for agents, yeah, for people to come and see you because they can actually see you performing, and and uh, any any person who any sort of a visualization can see, okay, you know this person can be good for this or this and that, and then it's when it's the, like they 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 approach you and. And they can actually work with you. So yeah, it's a, it's a little it's different than uh, pop music. What did you What did you um, how, how did it feel emotionally for you to suddenly be the star after a lifetime that was spent, you know, going oh well, I'm a soldier, I'm a worker, I'm an employee, and now suddenly it's two years of Hey, Jesus, what does your voice need today? Or, hey, let's get you over here. I need you to think like this. Or let's focus just on you. And it's not about a team. It's all the focus is on you and getting you as good as you can possibly be. Did that, like, 
did that blow your mind? Was it like, whoa, holy crap? What did that mean to you emotionally? Well, you know, it's, I I, I kind of still struggle with that. Um, I um, one one of the things is that uh, as as an as a singer or as a musician or as any form of artist, one of the biggest skill is to know how to sell yourself. And uh, uh, and that's something you know that I still uh, struggle with. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm trying to be uh, um, uh, active and a little creative on Instagram, but it's uh, it's hard to you know to just to, to hey look at me look at me. It's, yeah. yeah. That I, I you know I we all like attention, but there's a different type of attention. Like for example, I the attention I I I, I feed off from is when I'm performing. I, if I'm performing and I, I, I can see the, the reaction of the people I, I, because I, I feel like I'm connected to the moment, but it's not just me. It's I'm connected to the audience that, that, that I'm singing with. But when I'm in a, my relaxed hours, which is actually the hours that count the most because it's when you actually get to work and, and sell yourself, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I I had to rely on 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 somebody else, and uh, um, my wife, you know, she she for many years, she's like, well, you need to be a, a better salesman. It's like, well, I can sell somebody else's product, and it's just like it's, it's easy, but it's hard when it's like, hey, look at me, I had I had me tenor. <laughs> it's, it's it's hard. It's funny. I, I was when you're saying that, I'm thinking many many lifetimes ago when I did stand up in new york um they would and i was first starting out they would make you go hold a sandwich board and bark in times square to bring people to (laughs) your own show and that's just the that's the most awkward experience at least it was for me some guys got really thick skin out of it i but psychologically i was like to be out there begging people to come see your show and then you walk in and get up on stage and try to act like they all wanted to be there just to see you when you know that you just dragged them in off the street yourself yeah, it's a it's a weird dynamic. I think that's, I, I think a lot of people do struggle with that. And speaking of the marketing, tell me about uh, why on Instagram you are the walking tenor. So how does that play into the marketing? What 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 is that about? Well, you know, I I the the reason I I call myself the walking tenor is because I feel like I have walked so many paths in this life, uh, and uh, uh, I. I, I, I've been, I've been a, a curvy seller, car salesman. Uh, I, I work at a, a, a as a, a dishwasher and I've been a father. Uh, I've been a husband twice <laughs> and, uh, um, I mean, a soldier, uh, and then now I'm, 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 I'm a tenor and still, I feel like the, uh, the the path has not is has not ended yet um i want i i love singing opera but i think like i'm finding other ways to also do other things like um um like just like nalonego i was actually having a conversation with somebody and like i would like to have a podcast uh, uh and uh uh and mostly concentrated you know like in uh in in singers and uh i have a friend who is also uh, he was also in the army he was a trumpet and in uh and in the band in forehood 
but he became a really good tenor and wow. uh, uh, and very beautiful voice. And this guy and I, when we get together, we're just laughing, laughing so hard. And and we've been talking about this, dude, we should be doing this for podcasts. Listen to some awesome. people and just like uh, uh, have a blast. So uh, I'm trying to be, uh, I'm trying to do all the things and um, uh, my agent is saying, well, you should write a book about you, the things you've been done, the things you've been doing. And uh, But once again, it comes to like being a uh, self-promoter on that aspect. Right, um, right. It's hard, it's, it's, uh, it's hard for me to actually write about myself and like in that aspect, like to try to sell myself. It's mostly like the, uh, I like to talk about the experiences I had, which is nice. Right. The people I right. have met it's, it's, at the... Uh, so that's why, like the walking tenor, is something that is just rang, yeah, rang, rang very well in my mind. See, I I didn't know if it was a, a callback to like your mariachi days or something. Like you're walking around literally singing. That's why I thought it might be. <laughs> when you said that, do you play guitar? Yes, I do. What else do you play? What other instruments do you play? Uh, you know, like um, I actually taught myself um, to to play the uh, piano a little bit. Um, I mean, I took lessons just so, and just enough, just so I can actually learn my music a lot quicker because it, it, it was costing me a lot of money to pay somebody else to play for the music. Yeah, <laughs> I bet. I bet. That's smart. Tell, tell me about, you've mentioned a couple of times. I wanted to follow up with it. So tell me about the transition to your French repertoire. What does that mean? When you say that to my mind, I'm thinking of like, um, uh, you know, yeah, like, 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 yeah, like, uh, yeah, very cool, like, uh, noir mod, post mod, like French music. But what is it? What does that mean when you're talking about it? Well, you know, like, uh, and Italian, uh, uh, it's, it's very close, it's very close to Spanish. So it's very, um, when it comes to, uh, the singing, it's, 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 it's very similar, um, uh, in terms of language and, and the way you open your vowels to when you perform mm. something. Mm-hmm. And I, I also like, uh, I speak Italian very well, so it's, it's, it's easy for me to actually sing um, uh, in Italian. But French, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a language that I, don't, I, I do not speak. Uh, I, I can order a cafe or something, but it's... Right, right. But I, I have to work hard on this and um, they are sitting, there's so many nuances on, on, on the color and, and there's so many ways to say instead of things, for example, like even till this day, um, uh, like the way they pronounce the A, uh, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it depends who is teaching you what. Um, there, uh, and for example, there's a, a, the aria of Carmen, La fleur que tu m'avais jeté, est jeté. Many, like if you hear Placido Domingo, he says, jeté, it's, it's different. So it's which one to hear, which one to listen. Wow. Uh, so it's, I have to, like, I have to do a big research on, on, how to pronounce it on things and because it's not a language that i uh, uh i speak well what, what uh, was your motivation for getting into it why why tackle that uh <laughs> to tell you it's because of money <laughs> really 
Why? Yeah. Just the money's there? The, the more people want well, to see that? Well, the thing is that um, I uh, uh, about the music is beautiful. I, I mean, I a lot of the arias are very, very beautiful. But then I was thinking, it's like, oh, man, I, like, I get to get into this uh, rap. Uh, I don't know. I, I love the music, but I don't know. Um, because everybody sings. They, they, they have different... Any uh, lyrical uh, tenor can sing, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, this kind of repertoire. But then um, my voice teacher, Bill Schumann, he's like, you want to make the difference in your life? <laughs> it's like, as, a, as an opera singer, it's an opera you need to learn. And that's Carmen. Oh, like, because you, you look like, you look like, like the guy. And uh, you have like the uh, passion, your voice is just perfect for it. Uh, so I, I, I started working on this and, uh, and, and I'm actually enjoying it very well. I still have not make any money yet, but, <laughs> but I'm still, but, but I'm still, but I'm, I'm enjoying the, the music and uh, it's nice uh, to actually start being able to, I like when I, when, whenever I, I, I I listen to some uh, um, French songs, or I'm watching, or I, I listen to somebody in French. Like, ah, I recognize them where I recognize that. So maybe in the future, uh, I'll probably spend some time in France just so I can hone my wow. French skills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So tell me about the PTSD stuff that you were working on. Where did that come from? What are you What are you planning on doing when you said, you know, some of these lyrics and some of the Eddie Vedder influence and all that are you're kind of channeling that into that kind of work. Well, you know, a couple of, uh, uh, I was at the, uh, we went, um, uh, we saw performing uh, Glenn. Uh, Glenn, he always performs with Eddie Vedder. He's an Irish uh, singer. And uh, Okay. And, I, I'm not uh, up on my Pearl Jam, clearly. Okay. Uh, well, it, this is the thing. It's like, he, uh, he, um, Eddie Vedder has kind of like, you know, I would say he had two bands. Program. Yeah, side projects. Yeah, yeah. And then he had side projects, right? So one of these projects is this this uh, band where they made uh, the uh, music for one of the uh, um, Sean Penn's uh, movie. Oh. And uh, right, so yeah. this guy, he plays a guitar by himself. And uh, oh, Glenn Hansard. Glenn Hansard. There you okay. go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he plays he plays a uh, the guitar by himself and. And I gotta tell you, I remember when I saw him. It's like I was just like my jaw dropped because, of course, he's he he, he does not have Pavarotti's voice or anything. But the guy is performing there. He's singing. He's like literally dropping his soul into in, into his song. It's just him and the guitar, and uh, it gave me the idea because growing up as a kid, that's what I was like. I used to just like it used to be just a, a one solo show me and my voice when i made this album i it wanted to be just a guitar and me it was just yeah people. yeah um, before i actually start adding instruments and uh uh and he actually got me to like i sing other things other than opera and uh i'm like you know what it's kind of like um that leonardo da vinci it's a great artist but he did not only did painting; he was a doctor. He did mad. He was a uh, uh, he um, he did sculpting. He mastered so many different type of arts. I think 
as a, as a uh, and this is a discussion I had with someone who is an opera singer too, the, where he feels that it's uh, one voice for everything, and uh, and that's why you have people who sings you know my way like they're singing opera, and oh like man. Uh, but I feel like the uh, if 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 you are ma- if you are a master or you or your or of your um, talent of whatever talent that is, it needs to be polyphasetic. You know, it needs to be um, it needs to be able to 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 do all kinds of arts, all, all kinds of styles. So I actually this particular thing I'm doing with PTSD, I. I'm, I'm going to bring in down a lot of notches so I can actually, you know, make a sound. I still with my own voice, but um, because on those kind of songs, it's not very much about the voice. It's m- much more about the, uh, the story and how you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got the you. Story. And do you see this being your own writing that, that you're just going to start, you, you're triggered and you're starting to write a lot of stuff and that this is an outlet that you can now, write these things and you'll sing whatever the story requires. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I, I, I feel that there's so much for me to write. And, uh, if in the future, you know, like, I, uh, I'm not the, uh, type of people that like to keep it to myself, but if somebody else, you know, like let's say Eddie better wants to sing this song and it'll be great. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I can tell it's, uh, uh, there's always something to write about in and to be just stuck to one thing. It's, it, it's, it's not a good thing because we all, like, I'm sure you, 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 I'm sure you have your own faces. Right? You, you, you have to, comedy, you have to, right? Like, uh, what can, well, like you, you, you did comedy, but I'm sure that in comedy, you have to touch different subjects. Yep. Like, yeah, uh, you have to be light, but sometimes you have to like bring some seriousness. And they kind of like light it up a little bit. Uh, it's uh, uh, you have to be able to actually get into everything and still be you. It's a real adventure. It's a real unfolding, and I guess that's what I what I think of when I'm listening to your story and how your life has evolved. Um, do you see it? as there was the first half of my life where I was working for other people. And there's a second half of my life where I was working for myself. Do you see it that way? You know, I feel like, uh, uh, it's kind of like that. Um, it's, it's kind of like that. I feel like the half of my life, I, I was just, I was, I was just like gathering experiences. I was just gathering experiences. I was uh, uh, adding lines of uh, of knowledge that um, they are. Each one of them are so important for me now because of what I, the kind of things I I, I do and I want to do in the future. They require that level of weight in order to portray them. Could you be the singer you are now? If you, if the moment you walked across the bridge, somebody had snatched you up and said, Hey, you need to go to conservatory and you need to do this. And you had just been put on that path. Would you be the singer you are now? No, probably would be an asshole. Devil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, this is the, that's that's what happens. You know, that's what happens. Uh, you you grab a guy who who grew up in a uh, in a more or less modest way, and then all of a sudden, you know, like you're making you you're making a uh, a great star. You're making a and he's making all this money. That guy is not gonna appreciate. You know the. Uh, um, he's not going to appreciate the efforts or uh, he's going to forget about the life. What about the the talent though? What about the singing? What do you think? Do you think having these experiences, I know obviously it sets you back technically because you didn't start as early, but do you think it's enriched your singing in ways that if you hadn't gone through all that, you you wouldn't be as good a singer? It's interesting you're uh, you're asking that because um, going back to like if I would have started singing back then, uh, there's two things that would happen. One, I would probably have become a divo and an asshole <laughs> because when you're young and you provided everything, that, that's what happens. And because I would probably have started my career way too young, I would probably would not be having the voice that I have now because my voice would probably have deteriorated. Uh, but because I started late, I started at 32. I started at 32 and I never sang, uh, nothing serious before that. And, uh, like my voice now is as fresh as when he was like uh, 20 years old, like people who actually want hear, hear me, they always, when they hear me, it's like, they always imagine a very young voice a, a very young young guy because my voice is still very fresh um uh uh particularly at my age a lot of people they start having already some sort of deteriorating signs mine is it, it hasn't and uh also um because of i did not start uh, young i think it has given me uh, a different perspective of uh uh, of life uh, and uh, one thing has like I'm more patient now I, when you're young you just like want to like do the hustle now I'm at an age where like I you know it's going to happen and it's going to happen when it's going to happen it's, it's, I don't feel that uh, pressure to actually force it it's, that happens within age you know mm. if you force it it's it's not it's not gonna work out. It might work for a little bit, but at some point, you know, something's gotta give in. I wanted to ask you about one specific thing. It's going back a little bit in your story, but uh, but it meant a lot to me. I saw this on your Instagram. Can you talk about what it meant to sing Ave Maria? In a oh, Did, I I I do have a picture of that day. Um, it's, um, I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you. <laughs> and, uh, the reason is, um, now I see the picture and, and I think it's funny because, um, <laughs> I got so tan, <laughs> I got so tan and I was so dark, you know, that even like, uh, uh, I look like a shadow, like I'm, 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 I'm on the, uh, on the uh, uh, leaning on the wall, and <laughs> I'll send it to you if you want to. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it was uh, it was very nice. I gotta tell you, we went. Um, uh, we had like a little uh, gathering for the company, 
and uh, we had some food and everything and some people were telling jokes and uh, the, uh, the comedians like yourself they were they stand up comedy and then uh, uh some somebody else sang and then all of a sudden you know like they i i wasn't even i i, I wasn't even singing but uh my my platoon song is like yeah go and sing so i sang and the only thing i could hear singing is the ave maria so i sang the ave maria and then i don't know it's, it still gets me man when i yeah. think about it because we sang the i sang the ave maria and there was this like this silence and uh there were some people who just like were um turned up a little bit and all of a sudden it's like <laughs> Okay, well, let's go to work. <laughs> but um, that silence, and it's like you're in one way or another, and that's when I realized too that the power of of um, singing, particularly certain music, it can transport you to a place. I don't know. Um, I'm sure it transported me with my family. I wanted to be there with them, with my son. And um, like some people told me, you know, like I was just like hoping, you know, we can end this quick and go back home. So that was a very special moment. It was a very special moment. And then we all went back to our missions the night. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. This is the thing, like you know, you, like you, you know, you gotta, you, you're gonna get out of the post, and uh, you know, you, you, you never know if you're gonna come back. You know, it's something. Um, there's something purifying, I think, about that. I think a lot of times, especially in in the first world, you know, people dedicate their life to the arts, and that's mm-hmm. great, and that's completely noble and appropriate, and what have you. But there is something about a moment like that where you're singing the Ave Maria in the middle of a mission where it puts the arts in their right place. I think you know, Bob Dylan said, you know, the greatest thing an artist can do is inspire people. And it's literally that quick flash to bang of you singing the Ave Maria. It's a quick injection of inspiration. And then now everybody let's go do important stuff and get after it. Um, and that's almost the, the most primal need of art. Uh, the most primal effect that it should have. And to see it there played out, it, it it seems like that would give you perspective for life that, hey, I'm a singer and this is my job and this is what it is. It's to inject that inspiration to people. But it keeps you humble also because you're aware of what its role is and you you're know, aware of where it fits. And you're right. Even Hollywood uh, uh, does it. What is a what is a moment that guys like you and I, we can actually see sad movies, but the moment we cry, the movie could be sad to the whole thing, but we always cry on the moment when people are at a situation where they just kind of like, they lost some friends or they're at a war, they're about to go to war, and there's only one person that gets up and they start singing. And and there's a like place in our creatures and everybody's like quiet thinking, some crying. Yeah. I always yeah. cry at the moment. And uh uh there's something powerful, you know, when when you put um when there's a situation and uh and 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 you sing. We saw it uh during the uh, during COVID when everybody was locked down 
And then somebody decided to get out on their balcony and start singing with a guitar. Just let people just, yeah. people got in touch with a moment. And, and it became a thing. People were doing it all over the world. Um, it's, 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 yeah, it's something powerful. Listen, you've been incredibly generous with your time, but I feel remiss if we didn't wrap this up with a little uh, discussion about what's coming up for you and I in the dangerously near future on May 29th. Yeah. Right. Um, so can we talk a little bit about that? This is the first podcast episode um, with somebody that's going to be in the Savage Wonder Festival after we decided there was going to be a Savage Wonder Festival. So this is the first <laughs> chance that everyone's had to, to even hear about this. So I'm super excited that you're coming out. Uh, I, it is safe to say there is no other classical singer that will be at the festival. Uh, you are it. You are holding up the flag for all classical singers <laughs> that are veterans. Um, and uh, what's, what's on your mind? What do you, uh, you know, we can even talk kind of some practical logistics. What are you planning on singing? What do you, what would you want to sing? What would you want to do? Well, you know, I, I, I actually been kind of been debating about this um, because um I I I didn't know exactly, you know, like uh, how do you, how do you uh, want me to to go to? I know we haven't discussed any of these. Everybody's getting a privy discussion to like the first yeah. time we've actually <laughs> talked about the logistics of this. Yeah. So uh, uh, if uh, um, I was thinking, you know, just like uh, bring my boy, uh, and um, so I can do some of the songs from the uh, from the album, or. Um, uh, can have um, uh, uh, because I don't know if there's a piano. I mean, I, I can bring a pianist and um, and do something with a piano. Uh, so I can do some uh, classical, and then I'll just grab my guitar and do a couple of songs with my guitar. And uh, so um, I mean, all the all listen. Anything you want to do, I just want you to do stuff that you're jazzed about. Uh, you know, like with somebody like you, I'm not I'm not <laughs> trying to micromanage too much. It's whatever turns you on. I think it's what's going to translate. What I was thinking is, um, I don't know how ready your new stuff will be by then, or if it's something you'd feel comfortable sharing, but certainly, well, you know, I want you to have the invitation to share it if you feel it's ready. Well, definitely. I, uh, uh, since I already kind of like uh, shared the lyrics for it, uh, I'll definitely have that song uh, ready, um, at least to do a pre-life uh, um, version of it. And uh, before actually I release it uh, in 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 all the uh, platforms, that would be great. So I'll I'll definitely have that song, at least that song, uh, ready. Um, and uh, but the uh, the other, if you want me to, um, uh, for for how long to? <laughs> I know. Well, I was about to ask you. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, like, how long can you go for? What's what? Well, first let me ask. What's your ideal length? When are you like, hey, this is this is the perfect length for me to do what I want to do, but not exhaust myself. What's your ideal setup? Let's well, start with know, that. I, I, uh, I, I can always go from, you know, like 30 to an hour uh, without actually killing myself. Um, if I'm singing classical, um, but uh, it's, yeah. It's, and I, I, cause I don't know if there's going to be, I, I don't want to take the time from other people as well. You know, if there's going to be in there, Listen, I, I got to play Tetris with the schedule anyway to figure out how we're slotting everybody in and what the set list is going to be and, and all that. 
but um, but it, it's helpful to know what your time frame is. If you think like an hour is kind of that sweet spot, um, that's very doable. Um, right now, I was tentatively planning on you being outside on our outdoor festival stage um, with pretty much every musical act is going to be out there. Um, I think the ones we're going to have inside, we're going to have a dance company doing something inside on a main stage at one point. We'll have a theater piece going on inside on the main stage at one point, and we'll have poetry readings um, inside on a different stage, on a small stage at one point. But um, all the big music acts are going to be outside. Um, first, does that work for you? Can you? I know. Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I I think uh, then uh, uh, just to make it easier, I think then I just bring my 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 boy Michael uh, with, uh, with 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 his guitar. Um, because like if we bring a piano, it is uh, outside. It's gonna be a little <laughs> funny, <laughs> but uh, uh, it could be done with a keyboard. But it's, it's it, it takes it takes the, uh, the 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 experience out. Yeah, uh, gotcha. but I think I'll, I think I'll just bring my my friend Michael, and I'll, you know I'll I'll have uh, this is another thing <laughs> when it comes to logistics uh, and all that. Like I I just I, I always. I always have uh, like uh, 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 my manager just like I could talk about this because like I'm out of this. <laughs> I don't know. You just, you, you figure out. You tell me. Let's <laughs> drive her nuts. That's right. You know, I just like uh, you, you figure it out and um, uh, yeah, because those are the things like uh, uh, I just I just like to show up. Do my thing. Just walk in, do your thing. Yep. <laughs> my thing is <laughs> no, but uh, uh, yeah, because everything is logistics. It's like I, it's uh, no, I know it's a pain in the ass. I know. I'd rather just sit here and talk too. And now, I get, when when we end this call, <laughs> I, I got to go like figure out how we're flying everybody in and where we're putting them up and my all God. that stuff, you know. But <laughs> it's a first world problem. But yeah, still a annoying pain in the ass. Uh, no, listen. I mean, this is I'm so excited for this man and. I mean, the diversity of musical acts that we're going to have up there, I'm really excited about. It's a little bit of a scheduling nightmare to figure out how do you, how do you structure that so that it's each person has this like framed correctly and people yeah. aren't going, wait, I just went from like, you know, the clash to Placido Domingo. It's like, wait, what? Huh? They, you know, it's, it's too much. <laughs> so it's like figuring out like, how do we, how do we structure that correctly? But um, uh, also I, 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 I don't want to, um, I think it will be best if I just do it with the guitar because I, I uh, there is a thing for for any uh, classical aficionado uh, that person is gonna stay there like hours, but for a person who is not you know um, into this, uh, he will appreciate one two songs, three songs like that. But then there's not like okay you know give me something else. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, that's uh, okay. That's actually good to know. Yeah, yeah, because you know, like if I if if I just go there and, and sing like uh, just a uh, classical, uh, you know, they was like, oh, that's nice, right? <laughs> like, what 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 are you singing? Illusion? What are you singing? Uh, <laughs> but uh, um, the good thing is, like, with if I if I if if I bring my friend, uh, um, he uh, uh, like we can do certain songs from the album. And you heard the album. It's not something like it's not something. Too heavy in classical. Well, and I'll tell you about what I what I like about the album, and I was thinking of this a lot when I was listening to it. Um, it's 
it's a real siren song. It's a bunch of siren songs. It's songs that are going to draw people. Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of people coming regardless, but I think it's one of those things, you know, when you show up at a festival, it's nice to hear something before you even see it that you're like, mm-hmm. Whoa, what's that sound? And like, and then as you get closer, you know, you start to see it. Your music is that it is so show stopping and kind of ear catching that you're like, what the hell's going on over there? I got to see what the hell that's about. And, and that's what I love about it is that uh, I just think having you out there uh, wherever we end up slotting you, I think it's going to be awesome. But knowing kind of what works best for you is going to be, I think, uh, you know, obviously I want to make sure we do that because I want you as jazzed and, and into it as possible. Uh, but I think it's, I think it's going to be a freaking awesome day, man. I'm so excited for it. Yeah, me too. You know, talking about like the coffee thing, I, um, I've been relaxed. And uh, one day uh, I got a, a phone call from a friend of mine uh, who uh, lives in uh, um, uh, China. And he said, uh, you know, are you home right now? I was like, yes, I'm home. It's like, well, the thing is that I'm sitting down and I'm having my cup of coffee uh, here at the coffee, uh, a coffee house. And then all of a sudden I hear this guy that sounded very much like you. And I Google you and it's you because <laughs> they were playing my music at a coffee shops. <laughs> in China. <laughs> Somewhere in China. It's like, oh, well, I, well I, at least I know Holy where crap. the 30, at least I know where the 37s came from. <laughs> hey, you know something? That's a great point. Let's let's make sure we plug you right now. So it's best, my understanding of the music economy is that it's best if people actually buy your physical album from your website, right? That's the best thing. Uh, yes. And uh, and I, as a matter of fact, uh, once I'm done with a phone call, uh, I'm going to actually uh, have to fix this a little bug on the thing. Okay. That, on the link. Uh, okay. So, yeah. I'll, well, by the time this airs, this will that'll all be cleaned up then. So, people should go to com, right? That's the website. And they should buy the album from there. And if, you know, they can always stream it on any of the streaming platforms, yeah. and iTunes and all that. But that would be the best thing. Yeah, and uh, actually, it it was a very uh, it was a, a very well done um, album. I did not expect that it was going to give me that uh, that that nice looking. Um, it's, it's 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 in three languages. Like if you, it's a booklet. You it's in three languages. It's in Italian, English, and Spanish, uh, and it tells a story about the song. It tells a little bit of my story, um, uh, and it's it, it was very well done. So. I'll um, just like people would know that there's a nice booklet that has a little bit of uh, uh, story on it. That's awesome. Yeah. People forget that, you know, it's so, and I'm, I'm guilty of this as much as anybody you get on iTunes and you're like, yeah, let me listen to this. Let me listen to that. Yeah, and it's yeah. nice to see the art, like the full, like all the artwork, the, the, the booklets, all that physical stuff. When you yeah. actually buy a physical album, you so know, like, and that's right, something right we've now, lost. And I'm actually on that uh, uh, part because I need to actually f- uh, get the uh, the uh, the uh, art for the uh, the single I'm releasing the Loro Lodge, and um, so I'm uh, I'm looking with it. I already have the idea, and uh, uh, of course going to see Pearl Jam. I saw the posters like, oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, dude, that's wow. awesome. Um, hey, brother. This has been awesome. Great, thank, and you. thank you. Thanks for taking so much time and talking. Um, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, come back. Let's let's do this again sometime soon. Um, 
Maybe we'll do a post-mortem after uh, the festival. <laughs> See how it went. <laughs> <laughs> that will be great, man. And uh, uh, wh where are you right now? In New York. New we're, York? Yeah, we're about 10 minutes outside of West Point. Well, you know, uh, uh, I go to New York very often. Uh, uh, my voice teacher is there. Uh, before uh, going there, I'll let you know. Maybe Please. Here. Please. Be yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. I'll be in New York uh, in... Uh, <laughs> we are making a date right here. <laughs> what if we're doing this? Sorry, everybody's uh, going to be privy to it. We're going to have uh, a bunch on, of people uh, show up on it. On Thursday, on, on the 17th. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, bitch, and that's going to be even before this this airs. So that's uh, that's even better. Nobody can catch us there. All right, beautiful. <laughs> yes. Okay, Dude, I'll that's be... great, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll, I'll, when we when we end this, I'll, I'll shoot you my number and all that, and let's work that out. That'd be great. Thank you, brother. All right, brother. Let's great. talk down the road. Okay, see you. That was the savage wonder of Jesus Daniel Hernandez. What a great ride. And I hope that gave some compelling backstory for all of you that are coming out to the Savage Wonder Festival on May 29th, the day before Memorial Day this year. It's Sugarloaf Performing Arts Center in beautiful Chester, New York, a little upstate, about an hour, hour and a half outside of New York City, um, where you can hear Jesus sing live for free. It's a pay-what-you-can ticket. All you got to do is get there. And um, all the proceeds from the festival are going to us and three other local veterans charities that we have. I'm in the process right now of uh, determining by the time you're listening to this episode. Hopefully, that's been figured out. Um, but very excited. This is going to be a very, very, very cool event uh, featuring a lot of folks that you guys will have heard of or from through this podcast. Um, a lot of our guests will be there, which is why it's fitting that it is the Savage Wonder Festival. Um, but anyway, thank you for listening today to the Savage Wonder Podcast. Again, it is a production of the Veterans Repertory Theater. Check out everything that's going on with us. Obviously, the festival is going to be a big deal. Um, you can find out about that for right now at vetrep.org. By the time this episode airs, I don't know if the website will be live for the festival. Um, if it is, I'll just give you the address. It is savagewonder.com. So pretty easy to remember. Just go to savagewonder.com and you can see if the festival site is live. And if it is, that'll have all the information about the festival um, that you could possibly want. But if that site isn't live, uh, you will certainly have a bunch of information and links and stuff like that at vetrep.org, V-E-T-R-E-P. Dot org, vetrep.org. You'll also see all of our other lines of effort at vetrep.org. So if you like the written word, if you love reading fiction, poetry, creative nonfiction, you can subscribe to our Savage Wonder literary blog at vetrep.org and go to the now playing tab and you will see the option to subscribe to the literary blog. While you're at vetrep.org and at the now playing tab, you can also listen to this podcast. And if you happen to be listening on iTunes, be great if you threw us a five-star review. I'm just saying, but you can always find the podcast there. Um, not to mention all the different platforms, but that's always one easy catch all spot to go to as well as finding out about our right loud events on Instagram live. We may have our 2022 season posted by the time this episode airs. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know, but if it is posted, that's where it'll be. Um, at vetrep.org on the now playing tab. And we will also have uh, links and some information about the Savage Wonder Festival 
coming up on Memorial Day weekend 2022. We would love to get any feedback from you whenever you are so motivated. You can do it a number of ways. Probably the easiest is through social media. So if you're on Instagram or Facebook, uh, or sorry, I should say Instagram or Twitter, we are at Vet Rep Theater, V-E-T-R-E-P Theater, which is E-R, not R-E for our intents and purposes. So on Instagram or Twitter, Vet Rep Theater, and on Facebook, it's at Veterans Repertory Theater. And I know nobody knows how to spell repertory, so I'll spell it for you here. It's R-E-P-E-R-T-O-R-Y, and again, theater is E-R, not R-E. So give us a like, give us a follow, and shoot us any feedback. We welcome it all. If you want to submit your work to Veterans Repertory Theater or to our literary blog, go to vetrep.org, go to the submissions tab, and you will see any and all information that you need to know how to submit, what to submit, why to submit uh, your work, and we welcome those submissions. As always, thanks to our producer, Michael Neal. I'm Christopher Paul Meyer on behalf of the Veterans Repertory Theater. See you next time when we'll dive further into the savage wonder of it all.